0: I want to jump right into this and see if I can cover some of it, because next week we start our You in Five Years series, and so um, I want to uh, just kind of talk about this topic. Have you ever signed a contract, and uh, only to find out later that you probably should have read that contract a little bit closer? You know, there's just that, what they call the fine print issue, and when you go back to get something taken care of, they always seem to point that out first. It used to be small, and now it's bold in their eyes. And, uh, and I think that happens. And, and I want to talk about a topic today, eternal rewards, that might be one of those fine prints that we don't often see or read about it, because sometimes in our heads, it can cause us to think, well, I don't want to think rewards, or, you know, Is that, a, that sounds like a bad thing, that sounds like a selfish thing. But you know something, what I have come to find out, that if it's in the Bible, it's a good thing. Come on, amen? So I want to just briefly take us through a few ideas about this. Uh, uh, when you go to heaven after today, you won't be able to look at me when I see you up there and say, why didn't you tell us there were rewards in heaven? Okay, I don't want that to happen. And, and so I want to talk to you about this area of uh, eternal rewards. And Mark chapter 10 and verse 43 says, "'Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant.'" And Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 says, "'For even,' and I love this verse, "'For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom uh, for many.'" And so when we, when we talk about the eternal reward, I'm comparing that with being a servant of God. In other words, really serving Him, not just, oh yeah, that's a good sounding, as good for Jesus. How was Jesus. But are we serving? Because it seems that as I'm going to show you and as we see in Scripture, that that's critical for each and every one of us. And, and it's not only critical for what goes on in this life, but it's critical for your eternal life. Can I get a little bit of an amen there? I mean, is, 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 you know, does something happen after this life that goes on forever? I hope you believe that. And, and not, I hope you don't think that you're going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Okay? But no, things go on. Things are going to move on. And it's going to be awesome because they will be things without sin and without that impact, but there'll still be a life going on. And I want to show you this morning a little bit about that. Has anyone ever offered their children allowance for doing chores? Come on, yeah, I have, we have, we bri- bri- I mean, offered them allowances for, for that, you know? But let me just say this so that it can lock into your thinking. When they didn't do their chores, they didn't get their reward, but they were still part of the family. They're all still here for proof. Okay, I got proof. So we didn't kick him out of the family. So we're not talking about we're not talking about heaven or hell. We're not talking about a salvation issue. We're strictly talking about once I'm saved, is there anything required of me by the Lord in the scriptures? I think of even jobs now that do that, like Tyler's job, uh, and maybe some of your jobs offer it too. If you'll do exercise and stay healthy, they'll give you either a cash reward or they'll give you cheaper insurance. Anybody else heard of that? Isn't that how it is? I mean, Tyler's does that too. you know. And the, so they give him a Fitbit and he puts it on because he has to have so many you know, miles. I used to wonder why he always took that Fitbit off of his wrist when he'd come to the house and hook it to my dog. And then just throw the ball while he was watching television. You know, I thought, what in the world? Then I caught on. So I got him back on the right track. But, but that's what they do. That's, 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 what, that's what we all do. Well, when we read the scriptures, I hope none of you got any new ideas. When we read the scriptures, what we see is that God challenges all us all up in our serving ability. And so I want to answer a few questions today. Is it really necessary to serve God now? Is it really necessary? Or can I just come to church and just settle in and, and, and pay my tithe and, uh, you know, just okay, that's it? Is that, is that acceptable? Is that going to help you when you get to heaven? How can I, another question is, how can I really be great in eternity? How many want to really be great? Man, not too many of you. It's going to be easy. I'll be at the head of the line with this rating. Come on. I think we all want to be great. We hate to say that. But in reality, Jesus said he wants you to be great. And so if he said it, then we can lock into it. And somebody mentioned to me, you know, when I was talking to him about this last week, they said, well, yeah, but, you know, if you tell people there's rewards, aren't people going to do stuff for the wrong motive? I said, maybe, but they aren't going to escape Jesus. You're not going to fool God by that. You know, you're just not. It's just not going to happen. And and then what, what does it really look like uh, to be a servant so that I know... Uh, what that's about. There's a story that I think is very interesting that I want to jump into in Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 34. You can either open your word or we'll have it up on the screen. Uh, uh, Mark 10. Let's let's read through this. This is when Jesus is sitting down with his disciple. He gathers them together and he says, hey, I want to talk to you guys about something. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to be gone. This is about over. And listen to what he says. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside, and he told them what was going to happen. He says, we are going to go up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, the Romans, who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. So he's talking about himself. This is, a, this is what's about to happen before your eyes, guys. And it's interesting that out of the group, he pulls his 12 aside to bring revelation or revealing to them what's going to happen. And he says, and then three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. Three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. And I think that's pretty awesome. Well, look at the next part of this particular conversation. And then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now think about that. I've had my kids do that before. Dad, just will you just say yes? You know, well what? Well, just say yes. Will you promise me that you'll say this is what they're saying? Hey, can you just do whatever we ask? And and, and what's interesting is here it is, Jesus just pours out his heart says, I'm about to be crucified and, I'm, I, and, and, and buried, and now all of a sudden you're turning your attention back to you. What about us? And let's follow the story here. What do you want me to do for you, he asked Jesus. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in glory. And he goes on to say, well, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drank and be or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, Well, we can, they answered. Well, we know from following them that they all scattered when all this began to happen. But we also know this, we also know that later on he's gonna say they will do it, that each one of the disciples were actually died a martyr death. And one of them we know for sure was crucified, Peter, and Peter was so in love with Jesus and so finally got the revelation that he says, I don't want to be killed like my master crucify me upside down. And so we see that all these guys ended up experiencing this and Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right hand or my left hand for me is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom have been prepared. These places for those who've been prepared. So somebody's been prepared for this or somebody's being prepared for this. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with John and James, or James and John. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? I wonder why they were really indignant. Were they mad that they didn't beat him to the punch to ask for that right seat and left seat? Or, or what were they really indignant about? You know, you always kind of wonder, but if they think like most of us, that's probably what it was. And this leads Jesus to that profound statement, that transforming statement that if we grasp it, if you grasp it this morning, it will reverse your life. It'll change your life forever for eternity. And listen to this in verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They try to be the boss. And their officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you, so there's the offer, there's the bait, you shall be, shall be your servant. So whoever wants to be great must be a servant. And I think, wow. He doesn't condemn them for asking for the right hand or the left hand seat. He doesn't dog them for that. But he comes to them and he just pulls them in and he says, Listen, this is the real road to greatness. It's not modeled around you, I know, but this is where it's really at. And as I've been studying through this for the last number of weeks, and and uh, I just—it's just been driving deeper inside of me that uh, you know He wants to communicate to us. So that we don't miss it, this truth about being really being a servant, not just saying we're a servant. Some people say they're a Christian, but they're really not. Because you can only become a Christian if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? You come close to God and He saves you. But, 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 but it's easy to say, oh, I'm a Christian. But, there, but there's no proof inside of your own heart about it. But, and so, in case they missed it, he comes back in verse 45 and listen to what he says For even the Son of Man. Did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Wow. What a statement. What a statement. God just said, I didn't come to this earth for you to serve me at all. I came completely to serve you. And he models this thing, but he just told them, if you want to be great, if you really do want to be great, you need to become the servant of all. And I think in today's world, man, how bad are we at that? You know, we, we get mad when somebody comes in front of us on the freeway, right? Come on, why? because I want to be there. I want to be there. Don't cut in front of, you know, we just have this attitude in, in our nation that's just kind of brooding over us, and it's hard to, it's hard to uh, not let it affect us if we don't counter it with God's truth, and is what we're doing here. You know, he, He's calling you. He wants you. I, I would have to probably say also, if you could get rid of the fact that, well, asking to be great sounds bad, if you can get past that, all of us probably want to be great, Uh, raise your hand if you want to be a failure. (laughs) Come on. I mean, we, we might hesitate to say I want to be great, but nobody's raising their hand. Yes, I really want to be a failure in this life. Everything I do, I don't want any of it to work. Some of you feel like none of it does, but that's not what you want. It's time to, to move forward. So uh, Peter addresses uh, the importance of this issue also. And let's just jump into uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10. And listen to the language. Will you let the word penetrate your heart this morning? We have such a beautiful time in the presence of God. It makes our hearts ready to receive the word. Don't be distracted right now. Don't be distracted. This might be one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 a couple of verses on. Each one would use whatever gift he has received to do what? To serve others. So everything that God has blessed me with and given me gifts, no matter what it is, he gave it to me so I could serve others with that. And as I look across this room, there's multiple talents that are in this room, that God has given to different ones to do what? To serve him. I know like Brendan and Kenny uh, uh, last Saturday used their ability to tear apart a counter. I believe that's a gift, right? <laughs> they were enjoying it way too much. To tear apart a counter out there and to get that ready to be replaced. And I think, okay, that's, that's using that to do what? To serve others, And when you know what we found underneath that thing, you'll be glad that they were doing that to serve you to get rid of a bunch of termites that seemed that they would be able to live in God's house. (laughs) Well, the problem with termites is they don't like light. And when we brought the light to them, they were over. Right, guys? But I was amazed. Neither one of them were afraid. Neither one of them ran from the termites, but no, they were here to serve you, and they continued the job and got rid of them completely. It's awesome. Now listen to this here. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully what? Administering, the grace, administering God's grace in its various forms. Now look at what he's tied together with serving. He's tying his grace together with it. In other words, when I use what he, how he's made me, how has he made me, when I use that to serve others, it's like releasing his grace in those situations. And God's grace is completely, it's so, it's so big we can't even grasp it. And he's saying, man, if you'll just use your life, take your life, choose to be a servant and begin to take the talents and the gifts that I've given you and begin to use those to serve others, I'm going to release the grace of God through your life in various forms. And if anyone speaks, he should do it as what? One speaking the very words of God. That's been riveting in my heart all year long. When you speak as a believer, the Bible says he's given you the authority to speak with his words. So you're the ambassador. We talked about that a little bit last week. I'm an ambassador. I'm a spokesperson for God on this earth, which means when I speak to somebody, they can say no all they want, but once I've released the word, it's history. The word doesn't return void, but I've got to be the ambassador that speaks it out. I've got to be the one that releases it. And so he says, he goes on to say, if anyone serves... He should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So if anyone serves, anybody chooses to serve, it's going to affect things in the, in, the, in the long haul. And to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter makes it very clear here that we've received our gifts from God for two purposes. Number one, I think it's on your notes, to serve others. And number two, to bring praise and glory to our heavenly father now look at matthew 25 and verse 23 his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a few things i will make you a ruler over many things now most theologians if not all would say to you, because the next verse is enter into the joy of your Lord, the next verse is that what he's saying is if you'll be faithful here with the gifts that you have, I will make you rulers over an eternity. And so he's saying, hey, if you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to be servant of all. In other words, take your life, put it into an account, and begin to realize that uh, God is, has gifted you and made you like you are, both in personality, redeemed personality, excuse me, (laughs) uh, and giftings and abilities and so forth. He's done that for a purpose, to bring glory to him and to serve the body of Christ and to serve in the world. Matthew chapter, or excuse me, I just read that. Matthew chapter 25 verse 23 affirms that. But he says it, well done what, good and faithful what? Would you say that again with me? Good and faithful? Good and faithful servant. And so he's addressing the whole idea of us being servants. And I'm thinking, Lord, how many of us completely miss that? And we just live on a regular basis and we'll just kind of do a, a smattering of, th- we do just enough stuff to make us happy, make us feel good. But yet God said, no, man, I, I just want you to, I want you to run this race. I'm going to briefly run through these because you have them written down. But the rewards for serving are this. Number 1, serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, it says there's many gifts in the body and everybody has a certain gift and as those gifts are manifest and utilized, they come together to form the whole body and the body's able to function properly. The second one is serving allows us to experience miracles. Now I think this is totally awesome. This is the best of all. <clears throat> Listen. Uh when, <laughs> when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000, what did he do with the bread? Did he break it and make the miracle out of it? Or did he bless it and give it to each one of the, the disciples and said, here, now you go do that. And as they broke it, that's when the bread grew. They, and he says he gave it to the servants. What about the, what about the wedding? What about the wedding? His mom says, hey, go get the, go get the they're out of wine, go do something. Get the servants to go get some barrels and fill it with water. And guess what? The servants did that. They did that. And when they brought it back, the miracle happened in their hands. Yeah. Boom! They set, and, and, and it said, it. it said, hey, go set it before the kings. And Jesus said, don't bring it to me, and I'll go give it to them and be the, be the winner here. I want you to do this thing. And so when we serve, we're opening our opportunity to uh, be a part of God's miracle powers. And sometimes we think, oh, it just seems so silly. How many think that those guys might have thought, wait a minute, these guys are asking for more wine, and they're half drunk now probably. We better bring the real thing. If we bring them water, they're going to kill us. They had to be thinking stuff like that, but they were servants, and so it didn't sound like from the Scriptures that they questioned them. They just went and did it, and the miracle happened in their hands. There's a couple of scriptures I think on your notes for that. Serving allows us to experience the joy and peace that comes from obedience and serving, and that's it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, letter D: Serving helps us to be more like Jesus. When I'm serving, I'm I'm really I'm I'm copying Him. The Apostle Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ," and and, and this is what Jesus said, "Hey, follow me. I came not to be served, but to serve." And when I do that, I'm being like Him as much as within me. Letter E is serving encourages others. It encourages others. I I love to work with people uh, that are serving. It's just there's something about that. When I see somebody sacrificing, uh, they came on Saturday morning and, and sacrificed their morning to do that for us. And I just love being around that kind of a person and that kind of people. It's just something that's encouraging about that. Letter F, serving increases our faith. Again, when you serve, what I have found out, that you don't always serve the very nicest of people. Matter of fact, some people are pretty unnice about it when you serve them. You do something and you expect it to, oh, this is great, and they just get mad at you and you're like, oh, great. So it helps you to really (laughs) increase your faith because you have to believe, God, you asked me to do this. And, and I remember, just a brief story, I think I may have said this before, but when I was in college, Bible college, I was sitting in the, uh, uh, sitting in the uh, building, and a guy came in and said, hey, I need some money because I need to take a bus to get a job. And I said, oh, okay, that sounds legit, you know? I gave him some money. Uh, I happened to be in front of a window, and I looked out, and he walked straight across to a 7-Eleven store that was across the street from the college and bought a pack of cigarettes and came out smoking. And I, oh, I can remember just fusing inside. And I'm thinking, I need to go tell that guy, you know. I need to give him the laying on of hands. That's a ministry in the Bible, uh, five-fold ministry. And, and, uh, and I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, no, no. And that guy came back. It was a Wednesday. That guy came back and got saved that night. So I just thought, wow, what if I would have went out there and just chewed him out? You know, and my faith was growing because I began to realize if God tells you to do it, just do it. Let him take care of the rest. But here's what we do. We make all kinds of rational uh, explanations for not serving. Did I put these on your notes? I probably didn't want you to miss one of them. I don't have time. I don't know what I would do. I don't have any special skills to contribute. Not where they don't need me. All the things that come to play uh, begin to race through our mind when an opportunity to serve opens up for us. Now let me just wrap it up with this this morning and I'll give you the fill in the blanks real quick on the last numbers but I want to wrap it up this morning. Um, How many will give me five more minutes? No, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Just a couple of minutes. I really will wrap it up this time. But we can't not hear this one here. This is the... This is really the cry of God's heart. So please listen to it and let it it impact you. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Now listen to this. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. (laughs) How awesome is that? What a great translation. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, which is what happens, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you. And quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you to develop well-formed maturity in you. So take your everyday life and put it into account. The Bible says, every one of my days are numbered. In other words, he's numbering every one of my days. And I'm thinking, wow, that must be pretty serious. And again, it has nothing to do with heaven and hell, but it has everything to do with your eternity. And so, I wanted to make sure that that I'm communicating this with us. Um, It's really, it's just to to learn to bless people, to learn to serve people. I think of the story of the two missionaries that went to two groups of missionaries that went to Thailand. Thailand, and a guy did a doctorate paper on this where he f- tracked their ministry for five years. One of them went over with the desire to just bless the community, just to bless them. The other group went over to convert them. I was there, We're going to go convert as many people as possible in this little small town. <clears throat> when the five years was up, they, the, the survey was done, and what they found out was that the people that went there to bless them ended up converting more than 50% more than the ones that went there with only the target to convert. And they changed the environment of that city just because they went to go serve, they went to bless, they went to change those people in a way that God wanted them to do by serving them. If you want to be great let's learn to be the servants of all. Grab your pencils. Let me just throw these at you really quick. What does it look like to, uh, to, to be a servant? Number one, a servant loves. A servant loves. You have to have love in your heart. If you have a struggle ser- uh, serving, you might want to just examine yourself. So how am I doing? Have I totally lost my love so much that I don't care about anybody, and I, I don't want to serve anybody, and it's just gone? But a servant... Servants love. Number two, servants know what they are or know who they are. In other words, Jesus was completely sure of who he was when he said to his disciples, I know that my authority is from God. I'm not worried about that, but I still came to serve you. Because see, if you're concerned about that, you might not serve because it might make you look like less than what you think you are. And that's just how our, our, our world operates. The third thing is servants meet needs. We see needs and, and we meet them. Can we meet all the needs? No, we can't meet all the needs, but we can meet some. Everybody can meet some. Everybody can do something. We can all meet some needs, and I think there's some verses for each one of these. And the fourth one is servants serve imperfect people. In other words, so I have that challenge. Like I said earlier, sometimes you have challenge when you serve people. I, probably every one of you here have maybe jumped on a team to serve together with somebody only to have a bad experience. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when that happens, they jump back out and they don't ever do anything again. It, it just happens. That just happens. And so now you've got a bunch of people in the church that don't want to do anything but just come to church because last time they did something, it didn't work out. Well, let me just tell you... <laughs> If if you used that same standard on every store that you went to, you'd have no place to go. You'd have to raise your own eggs. Chickens, I guess it would be. I'm not much of a farm guy, obviously. Number five, servants are humble. Servants are humble. Servants don't think that they're the boss, they know they have a boss. And really, the measure of a man is not how many men serve him, but how many men he serves. So what are we we doing? How are we doing with this? And I don't know if I put it on on your verses there, but Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, if that's not on there, would you put that on there? There's another phenomenal scripture about Jesus saying, hey, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Would you just think like him for a bit? Just begin to allow his thoughts to settle in on yours and, and, and allow him uh, to, to, to really penetrate your heart and life. And the last verse is Mark chapter 10 and verse 28, if you can find that one somewhere on there for me real quick. And then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. wasn't a very happy statement, <laughs> It's like, hey, man, this is not good. I've left it all just for you. And, and I, I've met people like that. That they, They've just been, you know, uh, 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 in a situation where that's what the, would be their comment to Jesus. Hey, I left it all for you, but you failed me. And it it's not happening. And I just want to tell you, he never fails. We heard that this morning over and over If he gave you a promise, if he gave you a vision and you pursued it with all of your heart and you never gave up, I guarantee he's going to work in that and through it. No matter what anybody else says or does. He's commissioned you to make a difference. And Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you that there is no one who has left his house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Wow. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions. And look at this next last part as I close. And in what? The age to come. So Jesus wasn't afraid to say, hey, I really need you to give it all. I need you to just totally die to yourself and just give it all. And if you will do that, He will honor you in this life, as I just read, but also in the life to come, in, in the life to come. For all of eternity, life isn't about just, like I say, sitting on clouds playing a harp. Life is going to go on. It's going to be more amazing than what we've seen here on earth so far. I mean, think about what we've accomplished here on earth. So Think about what we've accomplished here. With the technology and, and all of the stuff that we've accomplished here with our broken, sinful nature, which means that, uh, that, that most say that we are only able to use 10% of our minds, our brains. We're only using 10% of our brains, and look at what we have been able to create on the planet Earth right now. Come on, you can buy a car from a vending machine, right, Amber? <laughs> She's got the coin to prove it. She just bought one. Come on, I just saw yesterday there's this thing about this big around and and, and you turn it on and you put it under your bed sheets when you stay at a hotel and it kills all the bugs and all the germs. Come on. The technology is so phenomenal. What makes you think that when you have 100% of your brain functioning that there's not going to be a whole lot to do? It's going to be an awesome thing. But you heard what I just said. If you want to be great have to become a servant. So just let me pray for you real quick and, and I'll wrap it up. And, 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 uh, and Father, we thank you that <laughs> you're so good. I, I pray for every one of us, Father, that even though I had to race through these notes, that you would just quicken us in our heart about this. And that we would just break down the things, the reasons, excuses, etc. Uh, that keep us from serving you. We're after you, Lord. We're not after others. We're after pleasing and serving you, and that each and every one of us, God, would be able to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And God, I pray for everyone in this room, let your blessing be upon each one, and what you've done this morning, God, be upon us, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.